the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Operations for 820 AM The Word. I have a special guest that I just met a few minutes ago. Her name is Anna Colton. And uh, Anna, welcome to Heart of the City. Hello, Chuck. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we were just—I was just teasing you that I said, uh, you know, you hear sirens outside our window, and we just cue yeah. the sirens, and they're going by right now. So we are <laughs> truly in the heart of the city, are we? Yeah, that's a beautiful sound. It's something that I hear almost every day. Yeah, because you live—you uh, live in the Seattle area, yeah, I so do. you're familiar mm-hmm. with it. So. Yeah. Well, you and I just had an opportunity to have a brief conversation, and we hadn't really met before. And uh, I really want uh, to spend some time here for Heart of the City to, for you to be able to share your story. You know, the key verse for this program and actually for my life is from Psalms 37, verse 3. And that scripture is, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And what I found in the stories that are shared throughout Heart of the City is that God reveals his faithfulness to us in so many ways through many seasons of our life. And I love to hear the stories of how God has been faithful in the lives of those uh, that I do the interview. And so I'd love for you to share your story. Now, uh, for those uh, that are, are listening, they probably picked up that you have an accent. So <laughs> you sure. are from where? So I was born in Russia. Mm-hmm. I spent almost all my life there. Um, and when I was, you know, back then when I was born, uh, it wasn't Russia. It was the USSR, if you remember that, mm-hmm. the communistic country. So we didn't have uh, an official religion because religion was an opium for um, people. So my my parents were atheists, and that's how I grew up. I didn't know anything that, you know, God is existing, there's a Bible or anything like that. And it might, it might sound weird now because, you know, especially for United States, you always had, um, you know, different religions, all, all this diversity. But for more than 80 years, we lived in a country when you don't have religion at all. It, it, whatever you would say that I'm a Christian, people would think that you're crazy or stupid. Or And now, even now, when I look back, I can think about it and think, how is that possible? Before, it was a country that um, was very religious, and it was a Christian, orthodox Christian country. And then we chose to be atheists, all of us. How is Mm -hmm. that possible? For me, it's still a mystery. But it's uh, our human history. So we do we tend to do things that we think that we believe, and then we change it. So, uh, like I said, I grew up in the uh, USSR, and in 1992, this USSR country disappeared from the maps, and it, it was another country. <laughs> what was that like, going through that process? All uh, those changes. All the changes. Gorbachev I, was there yeah. at the time? And- 
I think I'm blessed to see all these differences because it's I th- I might say that I have this beautiful experience of growing up in different countries and knowing that sometimes we're taking for for granted something, thinking, okay, this is the we have God and it's always will be this way. Um, in fact, I think for uh, communist countries, the same like for Germany uh, under the Hitler. When you think, how, it pos- how is it possible all these crimes? How is it possible to live without God and do all this? And I want to say, yeah, it's possible. I live there. So I want to tell you that it was an amazing experience for me as a child. I was young uh, back then, but even then I thought that this is a little bit crazy. Like we were taught, you know, to certain values, everyone should accept that, you know, there's no God and um, never will be. But then it changed, and we all started searching. My uh, classmates, my friends, we started searching for some kind of uh, spirituality. Did what about your family, mother, father? Were they did they embrace uh, atheism, or or was it there just a void there? I think they were just followers. Uh, people like you know when it's a big country and whatever would be uh, government will say they would follow that. Mm-hmm. Even my grandparents were they were religious, but they would hide it. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, my parents, they didn't have any relationship with religion. Uh, later, my father and he was born actually in Iran. So he was um, he moved to Russia when he was 17. So he started practicing um, Muslim religion. And my brother obviously become a Muslim later, too. Um, so it's an interesting family, right? Yeah, yeah. So we were atheists. And later we started searching for spirituality. My father chose to be not to be, but it was I think it comes from his um, family. He become um, Muslim. But they gave me they gave me an opportunity to choose my own path. Your parents did? Yeah. So your father didn't require you never. to be Muslim? Yeah, never. Mm. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, very I much sa- so. Yeah, I said, Father, I want to choose something that will speak to my heart, in which I started doing, exploring different world religions and, you know, like like we talked, uh, this um, movements of 60s when with all these LSD experiments and Castaneda books. and. Um, so um, how old were you at the time? Are you in your teenagers? Yeah. Were you a teenager at yes. the time? And yeah. so you had a group of friends who were really concerned about the meaning of life, who God is or isn't, <laughs> yeah. and what life is really truly all about. It, it is interesting. I think at a certain point in your life, when you um, literally, when you start thinking about what is life about, you just, those questions will arise and you will think, okay, so it's not, it's definitely not about my uh, education or marriage. There should be something else, something bigger. And I think I have a, a very great teacher teacher in the school, um, literature teacher. And whatever we would read all this uh, Russian um, writers, she would raise that question. Okay, well, what, what is it important? What, what, who are you? What are you going to do in this life? You know, wh- what is the meaning of your life? And I started thinking about it. And I, and I thought, okay, well, okay, if this life is... Uh, like h- how long I'm going to live, 80 years, and then I'm going to die? What is it about? What was the p- meaning of my life? What, it was, what was the goal? So and that's how I basically started exploring religion. Mm-hmm. So when did the gospel begin to influence the way you thought yeah. and, um, and, and process? 
I want to tell you this story. So after exploring, after going to different, um, uh, let's say, learning about different world religions, I always felt that there's something missing. There's something that is not resonating with me. And once I was passing a, it was just a very small, humble, orthodox church. And I thought, okay, I mean, Christianity, it's boring. You know, it's something that we all know. Um, but there's, I decided to just go inside. So I went inside of that building, and it was very quiet and beautiful there. And I stood there just by myself. There's no one there looking around and thinking, oh, my God, this is kind of mesmerizing. I, I never thought it, it has this beautiful energy. And then I, I turned my head, and I saw some person in the block, all in block. It was a monk. Mm-hmm. And I felt something in my heart. I thought it was like a revelation, you know. And I came to that person, and we, start, we started a little conversation, like about nothing. I don't even remember what was that. But I felt that I have, I have this attraction. I have this, um, like this person is going to say something that's going to fulfill my life and give me answers, all of, some of those answers that I was asking. So that, that's how I make myself familiar, familiar with Christianity. And later, he became my spiritual father. And that's, then I took classes, and that's where gospel uh, was on, um, uh, become my, the most important book in my life. Mm-hmm. So, because oftentimes you see evangelicals who are are uh, pretty much against traditional Russian orthodoxy yeah. and or, the Orthodox Church, yeah. but you really got saved within the Orthodox Church. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, now when I moved here, and I'm um, actually more open to uh, Protestantism and different kind of religions because I then I grew up there. You know, this is what we had. We had mm-hmm. the Orthodox Church, uh, and. Um, they have prejudice about other denominations. Right, you right. have something against them. But you know what's interesting? We shouldn't look for our differences. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just a person who's exploring. I came there with love and search for Christ, and I absolutely loved what those people were doing, mm-hmm. like those monks. I don't know what, um, you know, like, official part of that church or is a, maybe it's a big uh, bureaucracy organization, bureaucratic organization, whatever it is. But those, that monk had represented Christ for me because yeah. he was living that perfect life. Uh, and he was teaching me things that never, no one can, you know, open for me. Mm-hmm. And the same with churches here. Like, um, the Orthodox Church is like, it's a very serious thing. You, you go into this um Service and everything it seems very terrifying, you know, like uh, the, the singing and everything. And if you go to the Protestant church, like everyone is clapping, laughing. Mm, right. And when I first came, I'm like, gosh, this is not serious, right? It's like, how are you, why are you so loud? Like, <laughs> yeah. you just like pray more quietly. But then I realized this is the way how people uh, um, praising God. And you shouldn't be critical. You should accept it. And I accept it. And now I'm going to actually to both of those churches. And I love equally all these people, you know. And yeah. I think that's something that uh, we have to uh, practice in our life. And, in fact, I always had I, – I, uh, I classified Muslims also like, okay, this is not for me. But, look, I have an amazing brother that I love with all my heart. And whenever we have conversation we, about religion, we don't argue. We're trying to find uh, that place when we love each other. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that maybe this is something that our society is missing. Yeah. You know, we have people who are um, committing crimes and other stuff, and they, um, you know, live life that is not good for others. But as Christians, all of us together, we have to be, we have to be united and kind of, you know, we know our, our goal. So it's not, uh, it should be um, important to criticize each other, like, oh, we're doing this wrong there. Yeah, we all, we all are people. That's why, you know, when Christ came, he had uh, disciples, and that's it. There weren't that many churches, right? Right. And now we created it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's okay, you know, because we're people, and mm-hmm. we always will make mistakes. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we have to look in that direction and look at each, at each other's mistakes because we have to find that place when we can love each other. That's right. Well, so out of that, and you 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 gain this relationship with Jesus. Um, what happens next? Uh, what uh, what would enabled you to be able to move to the United States and be here in Seattle, Washington? Uh, even before that, there's a lot of things that happen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm always. Um, I'll be honest with you, Chuck. I always. Uh, struggled with finding a perfect job and um, that harmony, that my, my faith. So I had this master's degree in journalism. And whatever job I uh, have to take, it, it's not going to be, you know, some, somehow close to my faith. So t- sometimes I had times that I would just like have a normal job and I would, and I would be bored and I would feel that this is not okay. This is not, I'm not serving people. I'm not doing what I think my mission is like I had this an amazing job and career um, in Russia um, on NTV channel it's the biggest channel it's like Fox, Fox News here right mm. and I was an anchor woman and I had everything that people can think of you know um, a fame glory money and the whole wardrobe of uh, beautiful clothes you know like stylist uh, what else would you like but I always felt that this is some kind of emptiness. So I'm serving the government. I'm doing something that is not my thing. Uh, and th- I had a lot of uh, jobs like this. Uh, when I moved to the United States, I think I had this crisis when I have to rediscover myself. Like there's no one knows about me, uh, and I have to start it over. And I thought, okay, I already had everything. How about to serve people? Whatever it is. So I went and I become a, a part of communication team in the, the Red Cross, the American Red Cross, mm-hmm. with only one goal. I just want, I wanted, this is how I thought I'm going to serve people, you know, and this is what I did. I worked there. I enjoyed it. And then um, I, uh, and we're coming now to, you know, all these projects. And then I decided, okay, but how about just doing something that you really think is going to do good to people and, you know, be your mission? I'm not looking for jobs. I'm looking for that one mission in my life when there's no, like, separation job or, you know, doing something for money or doing something out of pleasure. And when I talked to Phil Driscoll, that's something that struck me. Like, he's an accomplished musician, right? But the thing is, whatever he does, he does for God. And, you know, you, might, you may meet musicians who serving themselves and whatever goals they have. But he said, you know, I am not a trumpet player. I am a trumpet who praising, who's praising God. Hmm. And I think this is amazing. We, we all should be, whatever we do, praising God and doing 
you know, like serving him and people. Yeah. Well, you and I, uh, you have a YouTube channel. It's uh, yeah. something that you you've done, and uh, talk to me about that as you're as you're exploring these opportunities of media and communication yeah. with people. Uh, talk to me about your YouTube channel. What are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started this project, and it's fully uh, I'm I'm doing everything there myself. Uh, I don't have any fundings or anything. It's, sometimes it's very difficult uh, to because it's a you know it costs money to pr- produce that. But I found people that I can convince that we're doing this for other people. So I'm just asking them to help in my first uh, steps. So basically, I want to make a platform for all of um, our uh, spiritual leaders, pastors, priests, activists, to start the conversation of how we can make, I mean, it's going to sound like a cliche, make this world better, let's say. Um, but also find this unity and talk about their problems openly. Because every time I have conversation with young generation, with young people, they would say, you know, religion is dead. There's nothing interesting. You know, it's boring. And to just answer this simple question, it's difficult. Why is it dead? You know, like, so whenever I have guests, I would ask them, do you think that church is still uh, uh, the main provider of that spirituality? And if not, what are you struggling with? What what our problem is? Let's talk about openly. Let's accept that it's not not everything is perfect. You know, maybe we can just engage in this conversation more people who are just searching for something. So that 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 is, I think, uh, my goal. And I think that I might choose later some kind of different direction. It depends of you know how audience will respond to this. So. I'm going to ask you a, a question that I've asked a few people, but is may seem like a strange question. But what do you think your life's message is? And by that I mean a lot of times the Lord places within our hearts a certain message. I, I shared with you at the beginning of the program a scripture the Lord gave to me, and that was that God wanted me to focus on his faithfulness. The first 40 years of my life I focused on my faithfulness to God. The last 40 years, I'm focusing on his faithfulness to me because that's that's a uh, that's something the Lord impressed on me so much because it changed my whole framework and 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 uh, of my life when I was so focused on the things I was doing for God instead of seeing how much God is doing for me and how faithful He's been in my life. And so I'm seeing within you as we're talking today that the Lord's given you a message to share. Uh, something within your life that you're saying, uh, this is what who I am and this is what I want to express. And what is that? Chuck, this is a very deep question. You know, it's and if it would be um, and if I'll have an easy answer to that, that probably will resolve all my life problems. <laughs> right. But the thing is, the relationship with God and conversation with God is it's something ongoing. You know, sometimes you got an answer for something and then there's something else. But what I want to share with you is that I started feeling that calling of doing something. And sometimes I interpret that like, okay, I have to do something for God, you know, like like he needs it. But in fact, he doesn't. All he wants, I think, for us just to become that whole person, that person, like, let's say uh, I'm struggling with a lot of things in my life, like insecurities, you know, I have this, when I moved here, I I started my life all over. And I thought, oh, I never could do anything that I've done 
back in Russia because, oh, let's say I have an accent. And I would struggle with it for so long. I would just like, no, I'm not going to go and say anything. Everyone, like, you know, they're going to laugh. You know, they're going to laugh at my mistakes, my my accent. But um, just recently I got this message. Uh, we had a, uh, a guest, pastor from Ukraine. His name is Henry Madava. And he is he was born in Africa and moved to Ukraine when he was young. And he has um, he's a black person. And he said when God started calling uh, and asking me to do something, I said, God, w- w- what do you think? What, what, this is, this is, it must be a mistake. Look at me. I'm black, and I'm in Ukraine, and I'm speaking with the accent. How is it possible? You know, it's not possible. And <laughs> he, he had this, like, um, an amazing sense of humor. He's like, whenever I was praying, you know, this part of my hands is light. So I'm like, I thought maybe I should pray like this. Look at me. I'm black, and I'm, yeah. like, speaking with an accent. How can I be, like, anything of use to you? And I thought, actually, this is how I think about myself. But the, the the way uh, God want, uh, wants us to do something, he doesn't look at those differences. He gave us this chance. And in fact, we're going to be so much stronger if we can overcome those things. And we all have this insecurity check. And I'm sure you have something to uh, share, uh, too. You know, of course. I yeah. mean, that, you know, I, I really believe that uh, you're right. I mean, we all have these insecurities. We have these deep seated thoughts about the inadequacies of our life that either uh, I have an accent or I'm too I, I, I have too much weight or I uh, you know I'm not smart I'm not educated or all those things that I think we put roadblocks up and what the Lord really wants to us uh, wants all of us is an honest heart yeah I mean an honest heart is really a heart that's open to the Lord and to what he wants us he wants to do in us and through us and when we have that honest heart towards god and towards others we can relate to them no matter whether we have an accent or whether we're bald or whether we're old or whether yeah. we're have some other kind of deficiency in our lives because people will respond to that honesty and that heart of of gratitude that the lord wants to have us to give to us yeah it's yeah. it's that hope, you know, like everyone can relate to this and say, okay, I can do it. I can do it, you know. If that person can, I can do it too. Yeah, that's that's very true. And one of the other things that uh, we've been talking about, we talked about earlier mm-hmm. in, in uh, before we came on the air, was that you have a real heart for youth, that you're really ministering uh, to young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about that for a couple minutes. We're just about to have about two minutes left. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very important to remember that those young, beautiful, pure hearts that are in the beginning of their journey, that's where we, we should put our attention there. You know, it's important to show them the way. And I think one of the major problem of uh, many Christian organizations and even the Christian media channels that they sometimes they spoke to the audience they that is kind of advanced in Christianity and it's great but we shouldn't forget about those people who are want to be part of it or maybe they they, they they want it after we show them how great it is so that's something that we have to keep in mind yeah Well, listen, we've got to wrap up. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me today. We've been speaking with Anna Colton, and uh, you're a 
a freelance writer, a blogger, uh, part of the media team at uh, International Restoration Church in Bellevue. If somebody wants to reach out to you and, and get a hold of you, how can they do that? So you can uh, visit my channel, illumination.com, and leave comments or just write uh, an email. Uh, it's um, Anna. Uh, A-N-N-A-R-I-D-A at yahoo.com. There you go. A-N-N-A-R-I-D-A at yahoo.com. So, Anna, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. It's so good to meet you, and uh, God bless you today. Thank you, Chuck, for this opportunity. Thank you so much. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.